And today I'm going to be speaking about leveling up forever by making room. Now, here's what I know. Whenever you achieve something like uh, if, if you level up in an area of your life or you attain something, you want it to be a forever thing. Or how many of you like going backwards? Okay, but this is what I found in life. Li- I mean, what life presented me with uh, four months ago was that you can take 10 steps forward and sometimes you got to take 10 steps back. So when I wake up and I realize just the reality of humanity that it's not linear and perfect, what I know is that I need to introduce something perfect into my life because life is uncertain. How many of you guys know life is uncertain? So today we're going to discover the heart and the hero of making room. The heart and the hero of making room. I'm going to read in a passage uh, in the Bible. It's the first, very first book in the New Testament. It's a guy named Matthew who gave an historical account of walking in his life with Jesus. And, uh, and in this story that I'm going to read, this historical account, it's going to be Matthew chapter 19. We're going to have the scriptures up on the screen, so if you didn't come prepared with a Bible or you don't own a Bible, don't worry about it. Um, and we're going to be reading this moment that Jesus has an encounter with this young man that they call the rich young ruler. And up to this point, though, I want to give some context of what's been going on. Jesus has been aligning the people around him to the kingdom of heaven, purpose, commitment, and perspective. Here's what I mean. Jesus and everything that he gets asked, he gets asked by the rulers of the day, the religious rulers of the day, he get, he, he's asked by his disciples. He's constantly trying to align their perspective. It's a new perspective for them. Align their perspective to the kingdom of heaven rather than the kingdom of earth. So the disciples and the Pharisees and all the people following him are having a tough time. It's kind of confusing a bit because... We know in 2023, we can read the history of this guy named Jesus who died on a cross that, by the way, today, the controversy is still, where is he? Where's his body? The controversy isn't, did Jesus exist? He did. The controversy is, where's his body? But see, when Jesus was speaking this to his disciples, we have to understand the constructs of what, of the time period He hadn't yet died. He hadn't yet gone to the cross. He hadn't yet been crucified. He hadn't risen from the dead. And so there's a bit of confusion because they're constantly thinking about Jesus establishing a kingdom on earth and how it's going to benefit them. And how it's going to benefit them in their today circumstance. And so in this passage that we're about to read, he is again giving a right now revelation for a future reality. And this is what I want you to know about the Bible. This is what I love about the Bible. The Bible has the ability to take a a historical text from thousands and thousands of years ago and give you and I a right now revelation that we need in 2023 in the middle of our life. It gives us a right now reality, but it also speaks to a future reality. So let's jump into this passage. It's Matthew 19, verse 16. It says, someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Now, 
Who is this someone? This is this rich young ruler that I'm talking about. But I want you and I to have a really good understanding of this rich young ruler and who he is. This rich young ruler would have been looked highly upon in society. He was very influential. Maybe in 2023 would have been an influencer. Okay? That's very relevant to today. Because people that have influence, that have power, that have authority, he, he had a good reputation. He would have been considered, because of his ability to just be a good guy, he would have been considered a, what we would say modern day is a humanitarian. He just was good. He was a good guy. And it says... He came to Jesus with this question, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's like, you need to be obedient to what I said. And I'm like, God, which which one? Because I I know there's a couple things you asked me, but can I just have one? You know, he's like, which ones? And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. I want us to understand that what Jesus just said in the commands was not the fullness of all the commands, but it were the commands that dealt with this rich young ruler's life with people. He's like, I, need, I, I want you to keep being good to people. And, he, and the rich young ruler goes, I've, I've obeyed all these commandments. The young man replied, what else must I do? And some passages says, what do, what do I lack in order to have this eternal life? What must I do? And Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, who here thinks that they're perfect? Thank you. No one raised their hand. I... I know without a doubt I am far from perfect. If, if you want to know what imperfection looks like, come hang out with me for like 2.5 minutes. He says, if you want to be perfect, because the rich and ruler kind of presents himself as like, I did all those things perfectly. I'm good. Isn't our society full of just, it's goodness. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions. He's saying if you want to reconcile being good and having eternal life, this is what you need to do. You need to go sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. He's like, Jesus, you're asking me to give up what? I've asked that before in my relationship with Jesus. You want me to give up what? Then Jesus said to his disciples who were sitting there watching this whole thing, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. We're going to dive more into this and talk about what that does not mean. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded that who in the world can be saved? Because they're like, we've given up everything. <laughs> like, is this, is this whole deal applied to everybody or just a few people? People that think they're camels? Like, what are we talking about? 
Who in this world could be saved, they asked. Jesus looked over at them intently and he said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, I love this, but with God, (laughs) everything is possible. (laughs) When you're facing an impossibility, you can always say, but God. (laughs) But God. So buried in this historical account of the rich young ruler, asking Jesus what he must do to have eternal life is a clear answer to leveling up forever by making room. And uh, I I affectionately entitled my message today, Clearing Out the Clutter. Clearing out the clutter. Let's talk first about the heart of making room. What good deed must I do to have eternal life? Let's talk about eternal life really quickly. Uh, for, For my whole life growing up, I thought, why would I want to live forever? Can I just be honest? Because my context was like, life's painful. I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up with everything perfect in life. I've had some traumas. Listen, four months ago, I woke up in a bed after being hit by a car violently and basically dying in the middle of a street. Let me tell you something. I don't want this to go on forever. You have something in your life probably as I'm speaking that sticks out to you that you go, why would I want an eternal, an eternity of this? But let me break this down. Eternal means without end, never cease, everlasting. But let's talk about life for a second. Let's talk about the life that this is what this rich young ruler is asking about that's so profound. Life that is real and genuine. That's what this means in the Greek. Real and genuine. Life that's active and vigorous. Sounds pretty good so far. It's devoted to God and being blessed. No matter what my context, no matter what your context is with God sitting here today, here's what I know about humanity that's really funny. We're all looking for something. We're all looking for something. And I don't know anybody who doesn't want, call it what you want, use a different word. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to have an eternally blessed life. Haven't met a human yet. I've never met a human that says, I want an eternity, a never ceasing life of suck. Just being blunt. I just want this. It's not, it's not built into us. Real, genuine, active, vigorous, blessed life that never ceases. That's what eternal life means. Eternal life speaks to the quality of life more than the quantity. I always focused on the eternity, and I never focused on the quality of the life that God is presenting to us. So with all his doing good, The rich young ruler asked Jesus what he needed to do to have eternal life because, because of this, he was still hungry to fill the void inside that outward obedience of doing good alone would never fill. There's a void in the heart of humanity that only God can fill. It's a quality of life void. That no matter how much good you and I do, it's still not enough. We feel it inside. I don't have to explain it to you. We all have in common this desire for a high-quality life. Regardless of 
where our framework is about God. We have this in common as humans. And then Jesus begins to get to the heart of the question here when he says to him, but the answer to your question, and he begins digging a little bit deeper, right? He's like, if you want to receive eternal life, you got to obey the commandments. And of course, he's like, which ones, man? Like, I am, I'm a good guy. And he says, you need to make sure you, you keep doing the things that you learn to do in your upbringing, in your culture. You keep being good to the people around you. He tells the rich young ruler to continue doing good for others as he's always learned. But the rich young ruler still knows, he still knows that doing good by itself leaves him deficient and void of something. Of eternal life. High quality life. That never ends. That isn't subject to the inflation rate. Can, can I just be honest? That isn't subject to who wins the Super Bowl. For me, who, who won the Supercross last night? Any Supercross fans? Two. Any football fans? We can tell what sport dominates America. Football it is. There's evidence of this because he says, I've obeyed these commands, but then the rich young ruler asks this question. He's like, I've obeyed all those commands, but he knows there's something missing. That's why he says, what else must I do? It's what do I lack? That word lack means to be deficient, void of. What He's like, I don't get it. Like, I've, I've donated to all of the like charities that are on the Super Bowl commercials. I show up for my neighbor. I, I, I'm doing all this good, but why is there this void in me that caffeine in the morning just doesn't fix? It's just me, I guess. What good thing must I do is the admission. It's this admission by this rich young ruler who has everything, that has respect, that he's a, he is like a good guy. It's the admission that there's nothing good enough to do for redemption. There's nothing good enough to do. We are not the hero. Can I tell you something? If I learned nothing else, by almost dying at the age of 49 with all the things I've achieved in life, with the beauty that God has given me in my life. Can I tell you something? This is what I learned when I woke up in the ICU. I'm not the hero that I thought I was. I'm not the hero of my life, but I need the hero. My heart, I, I, I felt it. You know, you may think, oh, well, Pat's a pastor of a church and he's got this thing. Why? I don't. I woke up and in the reality of my humanity, the reality of there's a void in me, the reality that no matter what I chase in the outward world, there's a void that only a hero can fill. And I need my heart to be filled by this hero. Jesus is after the man's heart, and so he presses further. Let's talk about the hero of making room. He tells him, if you want to be perfect, he's like, go sell all your possessions. Why did he say that? Can I just, real quickly, can I just dispel something? Why did he say that? 
Let me tell you why he didn't say it. He didn't say it because money's bad. Can I, I just want to be clear with you. Faithful follower of Jesus, I hope God richly blesses you with material possessions. I really do. But let's, but let's, talk, let's talk, though, real quickly about what's at stake. Jesus, when he says this to him, is asking the rich young ruler to clear out the clutter of his heart to make room for him. But the rich young ruler couldn't do it. There's things in our hearts that clutter. And Jesus is like, I I want all of your heart. I'm the hero of your whole heart. You know, all the parts, like, I, I, I really think, like, someone needs to hear this. You know all the parts that you even doubt what I'm saying? Meaning, like, you're, you're like, I doubt there's a God. I, I doubt this whole thing. Pat, you sound really confident, but I don't really know. God wants that part of your heart as well. Like, it's okay to, to take a step toward Jesus and say, I, I'm not too sure about this. But I know my heart needs a hero. But the young man, when he heard this, he went away sad. He had many possessions. The young ruler's riches are in the way of him following Jesus. His riches were a problem because he was being mastered by his riches rather than him being the master of his riches. Money's not bad, but it can't master you and me. I'm going to present to you that there's lots of quote-unquote riches in your life and my life that are mastering us today, probably. It may not be money. But that word riches doesn't just mean money, it means material possessions. There's things in our life that master us. You know what the thought of losing whatever that thing is, it drives you to the point of like the world's falling apart. Jesus is pointing out the need for a rich life in him. The best thing that I could learn in life The best thing I could share with you in life is that we're better for having a rich life in Jesus rather than a rich life in material possessions. Jesus is the hero of his heart, not his money, but he couldn't get past it. In 2 Corinthians 8 9, I love this. It says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich... That word rich, let me define that. Abounding, abundantly supplied. Not how we would determine rich. It's not that Jesus was full of earthly possessions. In fact, the guy was like borderline homeless, had nothing. All of the, all of the scripture in the older part of the Bible that, that was a foretelling and an illumination of Jesus to come was really clear about the fact that Jesus wasn't a dude that you would pick out of a crowd to be the influencer. Not his looks. He had no place to lay his head. 
that's what this, this passage is talking about. Though he was rich, what? He was abounding and abundantly supplied. Do you, do you know... Do you know the confidence that you have when you just know that no matter what, that, let me say this, you know the confidence you have when you could say, I could sell all my possessions, get rid of them, but I'm so abundantly supplied that in the next year to five years, I could attain all those things again if I had to. Not because of my ability, because God is my provision. Do you know the confidence that has? The confidence to see someone in need and go, what, like, what, like, what do you need? And then go, well, I, I, I need $50,000. And you, if you had it to go like, you know what? Here, boom, here's $50,000. And to just so, have so much confidence, the richness of a life in Christ. I love this passage in Corinthians that this guy Paul wrote this to these guys of Corinth, these people of Corinth. He goes, though Jesus was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He gave the example. (laughs) He left us an example of like laying it all down. Though I have something, I'm willing to lay it all down for the sake of what? What does it say? So that by his own poverty he could make you what? Rich. It's abundantly supplied quality of life. He could make you and I abundantly supplied with a quality of life that nothing else will give us. Jesus knows it's impossible for the rich young ruler to serve two masters. His money or Jesus. He's getting at the heart because Jesus knows, like, I want your heart. But the reality is you make room for and you serve what masters you. Let me say that again. You will make room for and serve what masters you. This is just me personally. But if I want to know what's mastering me in a moment, if I just write down what's worrying me, God, and, and, and my prayer has to be, I'm, as a human, God, can this not master, I don't want this to master me. I need to clear out the clutter of my heart because you're the hero of my heart, not this thing that's worrying me. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, again, keep in mind, Matt, Jesus' whole thing is he's realigning people's perspective to the kingdom of heaven. And just so you know, God's kingdom is completely upside down compared to what we typically live according to. So so listen to what he says earlier. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth. Interesting, because he tells the rich young ruler, and you will have treasure in heaven. And so that's in Matthew 19. Matthew 6, chapters before, before the rich young ruler even comes in contact with Jesus, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. That's a really key thing just to take with you in life. You're like, I don't even believe in Jesus. Well, cool. Let me just, you can take this with you. Whatever you treasure, wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart are going to be. 
That's just, that's, just a, that, that's just a good life lesson. Take Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 off of it and just, boom, it's just a good life principle. And then in verse 24, skip a little bit further, it says, no one can serve two masters. This is Jesus' point. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Why? Because you will always make room for and serve what masters you, but you cannot serve two masters. Then Jesus says to his disciples, verse 23, I tell you the truth, it's easy, (laughs) it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, money's not bad. But he starts to reveal what the issue with money for this rich young ruler was in this next piece that is so confusing about a camel. Who here relates to being a camel? Let me break this down for you then, because I don't. (laughs) I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. What? in the world is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the fact that camels carried cargo. And when they would be on a travel, a journey, they would come to a city and there was a gate. It was a narrow gate. And it was considered the eye of the needle of that city. It wasn't a very big gate, but the camel couldn't get through that gate carrying all of the clutter in the cargo. There was nothing wrong with the cargo. It's just not meant for you to carry. There's nothing wrong with the cargo. We just have to clear the clutter so that we can get in the narrow gate. Some of you feel the burden of life pressing on you. Might I suggest that it's a cargo that you were never meant to carry? Might I suggest what you're really feeling is that your heart is in need of a hero. Can I tell you something? There's no money you can earn to get rid of it. There's not enough liquor or drugs you could put in your body to remove it. There's not enough of being a good person that will change it. We're human. And our hearts long. We internally, we were driven and we long for the freedom of not carrying this cargo. I'm going to suggest side note. 
God wants us to frequently embrace rhythms in our life of unpacking cargo and clutter. Have any of you ever had, like, I'll just throw my own house under the bus. Now, throwing my own house under the bus, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to throw myself under the bus. I'm not going to say this is anyone's issue in the home except me. We have a two-car garage at home that a car has never been parked in. Plenty of clutter. Can anyone say amen? Uh, Do you know how many times I clear this stupid garage out? And I'm like, I'm standing outside with my neighbor, lives a couple doors down, and we, we, we kind of chuckle about it because we're like, bro, what happens? We clear out the clutter and then just more. I have to use this word, more crap just appears. I'm like, what is happening? And I think as like a husband, as a dad, you know, as like a, as like a man, we're like the garage is like, for some reason we feel very like, and we're like, we're clear out the clutter. And then there's more, and we're like, who keeps putting stuff in the garage? So we, we, we kind of, me, me and my neighbor kind of just know there's a frequency and a rhythm. So the good old DAV helps with that rhythm. They're like, we'll be there on Tuesday. Just set your stuff outside. And we're like, I'm sure the DAV is like, how much stuff could this house possibly give away? I'm like, I'm saying the same thing, bro. But I need the rhythms of clearing the clutter. Do you know why God asks us to tithe? Not because he needed this rich young ruler's money and not that he needs your and mine, but he wants to be the hero of our heart. And too often, let me tell you something, our money, especially in American society, is the hero of our heart. And it is mastering us. And God's like, no, I need you to continue to tithe to my son Jesus. Why? Because it's a rhythm of me clearing clutter. It's a rhythm of me making room in my heart. It's a rhythm of me saying, I don't have to live enslaved to this this thing. I'm supposed to be the master of my money. The money is not supposed to be the master of me. So God, thank you for the rhythm that you've given me. There are rhythms that we do as followers of Jesus that if you come to church, why, why, why should you come to church every Sunday? Because there's something about the rhythm of being in community. There's something there that you're clearing out the clutter that like, no, I, I don't need people. I'm good. <laughs> Until you wake up after dying in the middle of the street and you need people. Can I say amen? Like, I'm just being vulnerable. Like, dude, I don't need you. I'm strong. I got to figure it out. I'm an Ironman world-class triathlete. No, you're not. You're a son of God who needs rhythms to be sure that you're clearing out the clutter for the hero of your heart. But Pat, you're not the hero of your own heart. Can I tell you this morning, you're not the hero of your own heart. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to have Jules come up. Because when the piano player comes up, I feel, yeah, I, I, I feel like then we're really having church. Can I just joke about that? But I'm not joking. 
Mm. How many of you can sense the void in your life? I just, by the way, this has been since you were born. Two-year-olds throw temper tantrums. Adults just get r- real snarky on social media. See, removing these obstacles allows us to live in the blessing only a life with Jesus makes possible. Only God has made what is humanly impossible possible, eternal life. And that was the man's question. I love the fact that the disciples clear something up very quickly, then who can be saved, they say to Jesus. And let me just broadly tell you the answer. Everyone. Anyone. Why? Because of the power of what God did. When he made what was impossible possible through sending his son, Jesus Christ, for you and I to live in the richness of a life in Christ rather than the richness of a bank account or 401k or a lot of good, quote-unquote, living. We're all in need of clearing out the clutter for the hero of our heart. In Titus, it's a very small book, short book, not small in stature, sorry. It's a a very short book. Titus 3.3 says, Once we also, too, were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But, but God... but the hero maker, but the one who we find possibilities when it seems impossible, the tension in your marriage that seems impossible, God can make it possible, the struggle in your life of addiction that you seem is, it's impossible, God can make it possible that that gets broken off of you, the struggle of the month-to-month living and the finances. God can make the impossible possible. And let me tell you, it doesn't always come in the answer of more money. But God, and it says, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and his love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, not because we were following the commandments and we were perfect and good, although we should follow the commandments still. Out of a rich life in Christ, we should still follow the commandments. But we're not saved because of that. But because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through what? Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit 
eternal life. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to tell you a life in Christ makes the impossible possible. That we level up forever by making room for the hero of our heart. Now, I'm going to be just really vulnerable with you and tell you that one of the biggest things that I know is that I am more than ever aware of how desperate I am for the hero of my heart. I'm more desperate than ever that I need to clear out the clutter, that every morning I may need to get up and push some things aside. Maybe you are a good person compared to me and you only have to push that stuff aside once a week or once a month, but I'm just telling you I got to push it aside every morning. In fact, I will tell you that there's multiple times a day that I find myself having to clear out the clutter to make room for the hero of my heart. And this morning, there's an invitation for each one of us. Maybe your invitation is you've just never said yes to Jesus. That's the first thing, to step into the richness of a life in Christ. You've never said yes to Jesus. But I want to tell you this morning, there's an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus. And for some of you in the room that have said yes to Jesus before, you, you realize that there are rhythms in your life of clearing out clutter that, gosh, this is good. God gave us these commands. He gave us these instructions because he knows how easily I can be enslaved to these things that end up mastering me. And I need, I need to be in this rhythm of clearing out the clutter for the hero of my heart to make possible what seems absolutely impossible to me. So with those two things in mind. Let's close our eyes. If you feel comfortable doing so, you can, you can actually open your hands up. This isn't like a necessity. You don't have to do it, but opening your hands up just says, uh, hey, I'm going to hand you something of value. And if you want to receive something of value, you would typically open your hand and extend it to receive it. And so all I'm saying is, is that, that that's, that's all that, that's taking place right now. If someone is standing with their hands open, they're just saying, I want to receive whatever it is of value that God right now is so generously giving in his grace for us. So first and foremost, if you just know, like, I need the hero of my heart and my life. I need the richness of a life in Christ. You might be struggling. It might be a fight in your heart, but you know that there's a void there that only he can fill. If that's you this morning, would you do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray with you. Amen. Amen. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray first for these individuals. And the instruction that I'm going to give is, if you raise your hand, please don't walk out of this area, out of this space, without letting one of the people on our ministry team know that you are raising your hand and, and making this declaration today. It's important. Because we need each other. And we want to encourage you and walk with you through this. So, Father, I just pray right now for every person that raises their hand right now, God, that there's an initial just we're saying, and you can say this quietly in your heart if you want. There's nothing special about this prayer but the admission in your, in your life. God, I desperately need 
you as the hero of my heart. To come into my life with the grace and the mercy that you've given to save me from the things that I've been enslaved to. Now, I just want to add, I'm going to pray this over all of you. For anyone who is making this prayer today, who is struggling um, in areas of addiction, I'm just going to pray specially for you right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that the Holy Spirit, as he comes, as the hero enters your heart and takes room in your heart, as you clear that that clutter, that it would be removed, God, that it would be broken. The fullness of the quality of life would be made known. Lord, for doubts, God, that, that doubt inherently isn't bad, but God, that you would begin to answer those questions, either through relationship and people around these individuals, or you begin speaking directly to them out of your word, the Bible. For those of you who have said yes to Jesus and you realize today maybe there's a bit of a rhythm this morning that you're being called into. I, like, I, Pat, I have a relationship with Jesus, but this morning I need to clear out the clutter to make room for the hero of my heart. And, and there's something that you know. There's so, like, just, just pick one thing. For in me and my life, to be honest with you, my heart has been a little bit like my garage. There's a little bit of everything. I'm just going to pick one thing this morning. And I'm asking you, just, just pick one thing. And, and this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to literally, in, in your head, just see yourself right now saying, Jesus, you're asking me to, to get rid of all my possessions, to remove all the cargo that's on my back, all the burden that I'm carrying that I don't actually have to carry. I was never made to carry. That you actually died on the cross to be able to remove from me, for me to be able to lay at your feet so that I can enter into the place where there's that fullness of blessing and that quality of life. And God, I want that quality of life, but I know that I need to remove the clutter of the cargo that I'm carrying. And it's a barrier. And I want, I want you to just physically like see yourself almost like just setting it down. What is it? Name it. You, you know, you can't defeat what you can't name. You can't change what you can't name. So whatever it is, name it. Say it. Jesus, I'm laying this down. Say it. Don't be afraid of it. By the way, Jesus isn't afraid of it. But right now is a time of freedom. It's a time for us to step into to a quality of life that we desperately need. You desperately need this quality of life. Some of you have been asking God, and maybe not even God, but you've been asking the universe. You've been declaring and, and questioning, there is something more that I need, and I, I just want to tell you that maybe you've been looking for something, and I just want to tell you his name. His name is Jesus. Because in a world of uncertainty, there's only one person who I can certainly rely on, and that's Jesus. So God, we lay these things down at your feet, knowing that if we can just consistently make room for the hero of our heart, we can level up forever. There's no going back. And family, I, I refuse to go back. 
Can you say that this morning to say, I refuse to go back? If you need prayer this morning as I wrap up, please come forward. Minister team's here to pray with you. If you said yes to Jesus in any form or fashion, come forward and get prayer. If you need prayer for anything, don't leave here without that prayer. I am so thankful that this morning we got time to spend together on this super Sunday. Because I got to tell you the most super message that you're ever going to hear in your life. That the richness of a life in Jesus Christ makes everything possible. And I'm thankful. So Jesus, we thank you. In your wonderful name, everyone said, amen and amen.